Before we um, look in more detail at the uh, incident that we had read to us just a few moments ago from Luke chapter 19, I'd like to show you a video that is literally hot off the press. Um, and partly, uh, I wouldn't mind your comments on this afterwards. This is a video that somebody in my home church has put together for an event we've got tonight. It's a little too late for me to adjust, if it, adjust it. But uh, it's um, some interviews that took place on the streets of Warwick uh, last weekend, asking people various questions about Christmas. And uh, it will just get us uh, thinking uh, as well. So if we can have the sound ready, Barney, hopefully this should. And also, technically, I want to see if it runs all right. So <laughs> practicing on you before tonight. Interesting, yes. I wonder what, uh, sum up Christmas in three words for me then. That was the first question. Anyone like three, and you've only got three words, not like ten, like some of them have. Celebration of 
Celebrate Jesus' birth. Okay, that's not bad, is it? Anyone else? Receiving. Receiving. One word. Hey. God with us. That's not a bad one. Yeah. Hope, joy, celebration. I think hope was one of the words that uh, one of the ladies said. I don't know who the folks were. It was a random selection. It just made me realize that Warwick people look very grumpy. Except, except the, the guy who wanted to get drunk. He seemed to be the happiest. <laughs> anyway, um, recapping on what we looked at last week under this title, Christmas Presents, what Jesus Christ came to do. And last week we looked at Jesus came to show us what God is like. And uh, I said that from that reading in um, 1 John, that Jesus is the word of God, Jesus is the presence of God, and Jesus is the glory of God. I really think this projector is playing up, isn't it? Yes, I, can, I saw it. So it will probably break down partway through. Um, the word of God, it's, uh, God uh, has demonstrated his love by sending Jesus not just words, the presence of God. Um, this is God with skin on his face, the very presence of God with us, and the glory of God. He, he is unique. There's no one that can be compared to Jesus Christ. No better, no equal. But this week we're moving on to this idea of Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And this is where the reading in Luke 19 came in. Now, um, I'm not sure if this is an apology or an explanation, but those of you who've got great memories um, might remember, and I'm flattering myself here, (laughs) that I spoke on this passage just over two years ago. Oh, yes, you say, you remember. Oh, no way. (laughs) Um, But just to say that I have spoken on this passage before. And so if some of the things I say, you think, oh, I think I might have heard these from the lips of Ivor in the past. Well, you you probably have. It won't be exactly the same words. It's not exactly the same um, message. But I have spoken on from Luke chapter 19 in the past. And I'm not sure if I said this last time or not. But um, I found it interesting going to a number of uh, nativity plays in, in recent weeks at uh, my children's and grandchildren's school and uh, just hearing about all the things that go on in schools over Christmas time, how we have reduced so much of the Christmas story, and perhaps Paul was picking up on this with the quiz that uh, he had right at the very beginning, we've reduced the Christmas story to something safe and nice and cozy and warm, and um, just for the children. I'm surprised nobody said that on the video, that Christmas is for the children, all right? And so we tend to then sever any um, significance of the Christmas story to, to adults as a, as a result. And with this story, this incident we've had read to us from Luke chapter 19 of the story of Zacchaeus, if you have been in church for any length of time, particularly if you've ever gone through a Sunday school program, I'm pretty sure the Zacchaeus story would have come up at one time. Um, and it sadly is a story that often we relegate to the Sunday school and just for children. It's um, very graphic, and we can see all the reasons why that may be done. Um, But this is a grown-up story, although we're talking about a small man. This is a story for adults. This was an encounter between adults. So it has something to say to us. So let's not just think, oh, this is just a children's story. But before we have a look at it in detail, I'm going to put on the screen some pictures. I hope they come out all right. 
have some individuals that you may or may not know, and I want you to come up with words or phrases that you would use to describe them. And let's just remember, these people are not here to defend themselves. And so let's not be uh, nasty or um, you know, libelous in anything that we might say about them. I spoke last week, uh, I talked about how The Apprentice was coming back on in the new year with Alan Sugar. All right, so Lord stroke Sir, has he got both titles? I'm not sure. Um, words, phrases to describe Alan Sugar. How would you describe this man? Beast. Oh, sorry, I thought he said peace. I thought, whoa, you know, a different Alan Sugar to me. Yeah, a, a beast. Okay, a beast. Confident. Driven. Yes. Cocky. And he's a cockney as well, isn't he? A cocky cockney, yeah. Ruthless, yeah. Successful. Arrogant. Okay, so sort of neutral and negative words there. All right, what about, let's stand to attention, our esteemed Prime Minister. Words, phrases to describe him. Oh, <laughs> is that enough said? Silence. Ditto. Wealthy. Mm. Brave. Smooth. Smooth operator. Powerful. Clever. I don't think you can get to be the prime minister of this country or the president of any country without being clever. Manipulative, perhaps so. All right, finally. Finally, just to redress the gender balance, we know who she is. Yeah? Okay, how would we describe her? Warm. Warm. <laughs> <laughs> Young. Young, yeah. Lovely. Beautiful. Well-intentioned. Brave, yes. To marry into that family, you have to be brave. Okay, all right. So when we were told about somebody, when we meet somebody for the first time and asked to give a description of them, there are all sorts of phrases and words that we might use to describe them. Sometimes they're physical characteristics. Sometimes they're ones that have to do with their personality or their work. Uh, earlier in the week, um, I uh, had to go at short notice to go and pick up one of my grandchildren from nursery. And um, because that was an unusual thing, uh, the dad had to ring the nursery to say that granddad's coming to pick up Maisie. Um, what's he like? Okay, and I thought, oh, so what did you say? <laughs> it was the usual stuff. Tall, big, uh, bald, glasses beard, moustache sort of thing, you know, um, the usual way. And, and often we go into those physical characteristics. Well, if you were to do a similar interview with the folks on the streets of Jericho and they knew of Zacchaeus, I wonder how they would have described him. We have quite a full description of him here in these words. Um, physically, he's a small guy, all right? So that would have been, I'm sure pretty quickly on the lips of uh, descriptions for him. He's a small fella. But what else? Uh, wealthy. Yeah. 
um, a tax collector with all that came along with being a tax collector in first century Palestine. So traitor, turncoat, that sort of idea. Uh, successful. I'd imagine that uh, his wealth had bought a certain amount of responsibility, and so that might have been a description for him as well. So all sorts of ways that you could describe Zacchaeus. But uh, do you see how Jesus describes him? Right at the very end of the passage, and it's to do with the subject that we've got today, where Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So before this encounter with Jesus, how would Jesus have described Zacchaeus? Lost. Lost. Now that's an unusual use of that word, isn't it? To describe someone as lost. We would use it to describe somebody who is physically lost. We hear stories, particularly at this time of year, of people who go for walks on the Brecon Beacons and the, the weather comes down and they literally get lost. And we, so we talk about lost people in that sense. Um, sometimes perhaps in an educational setting, uh, a pupil is really hard to work with and all sorts of strategies have been put in place to bring the individual around and it might be said almost in, in exasperation, oh, he's a lost cause. You know physically where he is, but uh, he's beyond help. That's what's meant by that. When your phone, the signal drops out, we say we've lost the signal. So we use it in all sorts of different ways. Now, Zacchaeus, on the outside, had everything going for him, didn't he? Wealthy, successful. What was wrong with this man? that Jesus described him as lost. But I think that's probably a word that Zacchaeus would have used for himself, although perhaps he wouldn't have articulated it quite in that way. He knew something was up. Um, tonight on television is the um, BBC Sports Personality of the Year. And uh, I remember a few years ago seeing an interview uh, at the Sports Personality of the Year. It must have been just after one of the Olympics because it was the year that Kelly Holmes won two Olympic gold medals. And um, the interview was very interesting because it went back not just over her success at the Olympics but over her life as well. And uh, they said, you know, what were your ambitions when you were young? She said, I had two ambitions. One was to join the army and the other was to win an Olympic medal. And she joined the, the army. She became a PT instructor. And she didn't just win one Olympic medal. She won two. Fantastic. You've achieved everything that you set out to achieve. How do you feel now, said Kelly, uh, they, said the journalist to Kelly, now that you have achieved your ambition? And her face went blank. And she said, I feel lost now. Wow. After all that, that's how she described herself, as lost. I remember reading an interview with Johnny Wilkinson, the, the guy who kicked the um, final points when the England rugby team won the World Cup a few years ago. And it was asked of him that when he picked up with the others the Webb Ellis Trophy at the end of that incredible match against the Australians. I watched it with some of you, I remember, over at Redcliffe College. And the interview with him uh, a, a few weeks later about that time and the fact that he scored the final points, and it was all down to Johnny Wilkinson, and, and how do you feel now? And how long did that sensation last? And do you know he said the sensation of, of achievement and reaching his ambition, he said it lasted 30 seconds. 
30 seconds. And then he just said he felt, what was all that about? So we may not express the word as being lost. But even those who are incredibly successful sometimes say, do you know, what's it all about? I'm lost. Well, for those who are lost, take heart. Because Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. There is hope. This is the hope that Christmas holds out. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus found lost Zacchaeus. Jesus still finds lost people. And sometimes they are the most unlikely people. Those who you think, oh, they've got everything together. So how did it happen? How did it happen for Zacchaeus? Well, he knew something was wrong. I think that's clear from the story. Grown men, or in Zacchaeus' case, half-grown men, um, grown men don't usually climb trees for fun. Um, Zacchaeus, as I said, may not have used the word, but he knew everything wasn't together in his life. Else why did he, why was he driven to have an encounter with Jesus Christ? Um, last Tuesday evening, um, I uh, was speaking at a, a men's event, and I took with me a, a guy I've just got to know in the last few months. Um, his name's Andrew from Banbury. And I took him to this event uh, so he could tell his story of how he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He's in his early 30s, and uh, he's got quite a, uh, a story to tell. And so I just asked him a few questions, and he told about his story and uh, the sort of home he was brought uh, up in, and it was a perfectly lovely home where he was loved and cared for. And uh, when he got into his late teens, he started to ask the big questions about life, as you do, perhaps, when you get to that sort of age. And so he went for about 10 years on a journey, trying to, and he said, I don't like using the word, he said, but I felt there was a hole in my life. There was something missing. And so he went on adventure, and he traveled around the world, and he was into extreme sports. And... Uh, he enjoyed those sorts of things, and he excelled at those sorts of things, but they didn't truly satisfy. These are his words, not mine. Then he investigated various religions, and it wasn't just he sort of Googled Buddhism on Wikipedia and thought, oh, yeah, I've investigated that. He, he seriously followed some of these religions. For two years, he went into a serious meditation process in Buddhism. Um, he had loads of relationships, and all these things he tried, and he said it, it just wouldn't fill this void that was in his life. And what he was describing to us on Tuesday, Andrew was describing a sense of lostness. That's what it was. And none of these things that he investigated um, found him, as it were, satisfied him. Now, if you have got life sorted, if you've got every I dotted and every T crossed, well, that is wonderful. I'll read your book one day. But if deep down you know that things aren't right, things aren't as they should be, well, then there is hope in Jesus Christ. But acknowledging that is the first step. Because Jesus came, he said, for those who are sick. And you have to acknowledge that you're sick before a remedy can be prescribed. And Zacchaeus knew that all was not right. I remember a few years ago when I used to work on a 
a market stall. Um, I was speaking to the guy who was selling bicycle parts on the stall next to me. And uh, I got to know him fairly well. And he knew as I was a Christian. Bit of a giveaway. I was selling Bibles. So <laughs> bit of a connection. And um, I remember one day, it was a cold February morning. February's on market stalls are miserable times. They really are. Um, you hardly get any punters. And so you just talk to others around. And he started to tell me a bit about his past and all that he'd been through. He'd had a few failed relationships, many broken businesses, and he'd always sailed very close to the wind legally on the market stall, as quite a few market stall holders do. I'm not tarring them all with the same brush by any means. Um, but uh, he spoke about his past and all the, the bad stuff he'd been through. And he concluded, I can't remember his exact phrase, but it was almost like this. Because of my past, because of my failures, because of all the bad stuff I've been involved in, then Christianity isn't for me. Because basically I'm a bad person. I tell you, I rarely get hold of people, but I nearly got hold of by the lapels and went, no! In fact, you have taken the first step realizing that you haven't got it all together. It's those who say, my life's sorted, that can't be helped. But it's those who realize something's wrong. Well, then Jesus can start to help. And Zacchaeus realized, all's not right here. All's not right. And he overcame a, a personal obstacle that he had. And again, this is related to climbing the tree. You see, he could have reasoned along this sort of way. Look, I know I'm not perfect. I know everything isn't right despite the appearance. But um, I'm too small to go and have an encounter with Jesus because every time I get into a crowd, I can't see, I get pushed to the back, whatever it might be. There are too many people. Or he might have reasoned, actually, I'm too old for this sort of business. I, I'm too proud to get things sorted out. He might have come up with some sort of excuse that would have, in his own mind, meant that he wouldn't have had this encounter with Jesus. And we all do this, don't we? We all come up with a reason why we shouldn't take things further. None of us would claim to be perfect. We might not use the word lost, but we know no, all's not right, but, but I don't know enough, or I'm not the religious type. Um, I often wonder what we mean when we say that. What is the religious type? But anyway, but you know, that's not the sort of thing that, that's for me. We might say, I'm too good, or like that fellow market stall holder, or I'm too bad. We might rationalize by saying, actually, I don't need finding. It's just the state that I'm in, and I'm content to be where I am. The fact is that we are lost. We are lost, whether we feel it or not. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can find us. And I'm sorry about your particular situation, where you've had good experiences or bad experience. I don't know what your excuse might be, but you need to get over it if you want to be found. And Zacchaeus got over this personal obstacle. I'm too small, he could have rationalized and said, no, no point in me trying to have an encounter with Jesus. But he thought, I am too small, but I'm going to climb a tree. <coughs> so he climbed a tree. He overcame his personal excuse and climbed a tree. And he had this encounter with Jesus. He invited Jesus into his home. Um, it's almost as if Jesus was expecting this encounter. 
as he walked along. It must have been one of the first times in Zacchaeus' life when somebody looked up to him. <laughs> and Jesus looked up, and he basically said, Zacchaeus, me at your place? And Zacchaeus said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, I know that becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is more than that. But in a sense, if we really mean it, at its most elemental, basic level, that's what becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is. It's saying yes to Jesus Christ. Jesus, you come into my home. You come into my world. You come into my experience. Come into all that makes me, me. No rooms are going to be off limits. You come into my place. A verse in the Bible puts it a little bit like this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's when you respond internally to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and say yes to Jesus, then we are rescued, then we are found. And Zacchaeus was rescued. He was found when he said, Jesus, yes, you come into my place. And we know the difference it made by the thing that he relied on in the past, his money didn't matter anymore, and he started to give that away. And Jesus makes such a transformational difference to people who say yes to him. I've got to finish by showing you a video that I know you have seen before because the first time I saw this was years ago here. And I thought it was so good, I, I think it was from Roger, I found out the source and I downloaded it myself. And I have used it on dozens, and that's no exaggeration, probably scores of occasions because I find it so good. And it picks up on some of the themes that we've been thinking about, about lostness and what Jesus Christ came to do. Now, I'm sure it's been showed on other occasions here as well, perhaps even by myself. I, I don't know. But we'll watch this, then I've just got a few more things to say before I hand back to Paul and we close. So let's watch this. <clears throat> if your heart yearns for more, it doesn't know. If you suffered blow after blow and can barely dare to lift your head if you've ever wished you'd rather be. If you've bled and tried to bind the wound. If you've cried, then tie the knot to choke the flow of hope before it can open up a way to disappoint again and leave you broken. Then this is for you. If you've longed, if you've wronged, if you choke on the words to your favourite song, if you need a doctor or you're beyond medical help, then come. If you're cracked, if you're splintered, if your winter is just too long, if this winter is just too long, Jesus came for the bad. 
So if that's never been you, then fine, just go, because Jesus didn't come for the well, the swell, the hell, I've got everything I need, the nothing's lacking, and I'm cracking up. He's not interested in courting the sorted. He came to fill the cup of the thirsty, the worst, the broken, the first open. Jesus came for the sick, the cracked up, the packed up, the smashed, hopes dashed, and the picked on, the meek, the weak, and the stuttering, those who blush when they speak and are walked out on. Jesus came for those left behind, for the cheats and the cheated, the ones who crossed the line and the ones who still don't know where to begin. Jesus came for the people who know how it feels when you say sin, for the broken to open, to break for those who choke, the people who don't have everything they need, the ones who know we need hope. So Jesus came to show us what God is like. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And if there's anyone here this morning for whom this is starting to resonate in some way and you think, yeah, that's me. I'm lost. I need finding. I need saving. Make sure you don't leave the room this morning without having a chat with me or someone here who you know is a member of the fellowship and talk to them about how you can be found. Wouldn't it be great this Christmas? to be found, and so fully understand why Jesus came. He came for me to seek and to save me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for laying aside your majesty, becoming one of us, and not just demonstrating great humility, but thank you for the purpose for which you came, to rescue people like Zacchaeus. Thank you that you've rescued me. Thank you that you've rescued many here in this room. And thank you that you're still in the business of finding lost people. Help us to understand these things. Help us to respond to them, we pray. For we ask it in your name. Amen.